Welcome to the Wealth Matters Podcast, where investors come together to better understand how to build passive cash flow and create generational wealth without all the confusing mumbo jumbo. Here's your host and co author of Amazon number one bestseller, Alpesh Pamar. Welcome to Wealth Matters Podcast. I am going to talk to another triathlete, a two time Ironman finisher. John Hoffensperger. He's the founder and president of CMK Properties LLC. John is responsible for leading the overall strategy and operations of CMK Properties. He has over 30 years of experience in the commercial real estate industry. So welcome, John. Thank you, Alpesh. Great to be here. I'm a fan of the podcast, so this is wonderful. I appreciate it. So, John, we, of course, want to talk about the early childhood education. Before we get started, I want to ask you something which I ask every guest. Tell us something interesting or maybe funny about yourself. Okay, so interesting. Maybe I was born and raised on a dairy farm, so that was quite an uh, upbringing. And I've been self-employed since college. Wow. And uh, it seems to be a rare thing. Uh, you know, I've done a couple Ironman, so that's somewhat interesting to people. But it is very interesting. For, for me, the Ironman is, is very interesting. And I think my listeners already know that I did my first half Ironman last year, uh, 9-11, actually. I still, of course, I remember the day, but doing two Ironman, that's hats off to you, sir. That's That's, that's crazy. Thank you. What was your first investment and how did it work out for you? My very first investment was a, a two-family fixer-upper project. This is back in Wisconsin. It was in a, a, a not-so-great area, but I didn't have much money or little or no money at the time. So I had to find a seller that would do seller financing. <clears throat> in a project that I could basically do the sweat equity. So all the work that I could do myself on it, I did, but it was in terrible condition. Uh, but it was what a learning experience. I ended up doing all the work I could. I hired a jack of all trades that could do electrical, plumbing, sheetrock finishing. We got the project completed. I rented it out. It ended up positive cash flowing, uh, almost $500 a month, which I thought was great. Nice. And that was my start. And subsequently, over the next two years, I did um, 20 more projects sim similar to that. So just that really got the ball rolling for me uh, way back then, that little property. And I mean, I still remember the address. It was 1138 Day Street. It was very formative to get me going. And uh, when was this and uh, and which town? This was in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Okay. And so let's see. 80, Green Bay Packers, right? Green Bay Packers. <laughs> That's fan. how I know. <laughs> yes. I'm a shareholder. Uh, so this would be back probably 1990. Oh, wow. You did yeah. the flipping, I mean, the rehab and, you know, the bird strategy at that time. That, that's, yeah, that's cool. and trying to find no money down deals. That was way back then. That was I, I had bought a couple of those programs online and was working my way through trying to figure out how to underwrite a property, how to pencil my own pro forma. So just 
I had to look at so many deals to finally get one that I could get seller financing. I really didn't have any credit. So to finally get that first deal as a start in real estate investing and then have it work out, get it rented, it was just, it was the greatest feeling. And uh, I loved it. And I've been in real estate ever since. That, that that's that's crazy so and the reason i asked you for the town is that yeah. actually my real estate journey even though i live in california my journey started by investing in out-of-state property in milwaukee wisconsin in, no, no yeah. kidding <laughs> yes in 2015 and that's how i started i bought one i bought another one and then i knew the neighborhood wasn't good but the things were working out so i just continued to invest and then of course i got out of wisconsin but I knew the area by that time. Harley Davidson was one of my clients. I had visited the area as well. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> it, and it's funny you mentioned Milwaukee. So we've done a lot of work there, but we did University of Milwaukee, uh -huh. um, big uh, student housing facility. We developed um, right on the river, downtown Milwaukee, and it ended up uh, their endowment fund was the big yes. investor, they, is the wow. owner of that. But it was a great project for us. I love Milwaukee. There's a lot of great things happening there. So that that's really neat. That was uh, the first is, yeah. yeah. And my first client was also Kohler Company, Wisconsin in Sheboygan. So wow. <laughs> that is, I mean, I, I think most people know Kohler for a huge plumbing yes. uh, manufacturer, but what a client. That, yes. they're, they're a great company. Yeah, no, I, I can't argue. <laughs> so what kind of assets do you invest in now? Mm -hmm. So we are, uh, we're a commercial real estate developer and a sponsor. So the, what we invest in now, 100% of it we're developing. Um, we're not doing any acquisitions right now just because they don't pen pencil. Uh, we, we make far more money developing, but our focus is single tenant net lease uh, commercial properties. And for your listeners, single tenant net lease means one tenant, one long-term lease. Right, triple net. net. Lease. Yep, net, triple net. So the tenant's responsible for all the maintenance, yep. insurance, utilities. That way as a landlord or investor, it's very predictable right, revenue. It's and it's on one piece of property, right, Alpesh? So yeah. there's very few moving parts in those kind of deals. So we find them uh, to be very uh, predictable for the outcome. And we work with, we're a preferred developer for a number of brands uh, we're building for. Uh, we're doing Tractor Supply Company right now. We've done a number of Dollar Generals, The Learning Zone, uh, uh, an ECE brand okay. that we'll talk about the learning experience. We also do medical office buildings as the other core um, sector that we invest in and develop for. So we're developing right now in Nashville for Williamson Medical Center. We've got a medical campus on the north side of Houston. We just signed a big lease with with Memorial Hermann and United Surgery Partners. And then we're also in Dallas, uh, Texas, with some medical. But single tenant net lease and medical are our core that's, product. That's amazing. So you put the right niche, right? And the markets, right? Nashville, Houston, Dallas, and of course, medical centers or, you know, learning zone or those, you know, early childhood uh, facilities. They are awesome. So can you tell us what is early childhood education? Yeah, so I, I guess in the in the broad sense, 
Um, it's the educational program that um, takes care of ch uh, for children in their preschool years. And so it's more than just daycare, sending your, your child to a babysitter, right? It's, it's actual, um, like for the learning zone, they have a STEAM-based program where even at a, a really young age, they're teaching kids cognitive skills, social interaction skills. And I had looked up a statistic and I thought it was interesting. It said children's brains develop faster from birth to age five than any other time in their lives. In fact, 90% wow. of brain development occurs before kindergarten. So it's a very high demand area as far as consumer spending next to somebody's home. Children are what they spend the most on. So you right. find um, statistically 64% uh, of children uh, under the age of five are in an all-day preschool program yes. or need to be. So it's very high demand. Um, it's a, a growing industry. And that's, that's what early childhood education is. So how does one invest in those kind of opportunities? Great question. And I think, you, you know, it would be neat. I think maybe let me just, if I could say, why would you want to invest in those? Right. Type of yes. Yeah, of course. I would I so, want to so know pros and cons. <laughs> yeah. Let, we'll touch on that. And then definitely we'll answer how can you invest in it? But I think there's a few things. And for our company, the common denominators, when we're filtering deals that we want to develop and and as a real estate owner i think it all comes down to the the tenant so we but we start with the industry is it a growing industry is there a long track track record and a long runway for growth it's got to check that box and then it's all about um the tenant and the credit are they credit rated credit worthy do they have a strong track record or balance sheet because the certainty of our mailbox money or the rent payments, right? Depends on the stability and yes. track record of the tenant. So industry's got to check the box, tenants got to check the box, and then it's the lease structure. We love, like you said, triple net leases so that uh, an HVAC unit goes bad or there's maintenance or things, it's all on the tenant. Right. So as a landlord or investor, your cash flow is very predictable and and with our deals in um, early childhood education we're getting a 15-year base lease term nice annual rent escalators are built right. in so it's a nice hedge against inflation uh with with uh we're getting a, a corporate guarantee behind the lease so we we like all the i guess the stability of it and then these are all private pay Alpesh. So we're developing in very affluent, high growth areas with high demand. Where there's course. typically a one year waiting list or more for parents to get their children into a preschool. So as we're developing and building these, they're filling up in under 12 months. So it's so so why I guess invest in those it, it meets to us all of the key fundamentals of solid, stable, predictable is our mantra. And then we're finding our typical return on investment or IRR 14 to 19%. And 
and they're throwing off about 8% um, cash flow when That's we far, finish yeah. the building. So as a risk adjusted return, um, we really like the deal and our investors like the deals. Uh, so that's why, in our opinion, why invest in ECE? And then depending on the person, uh, are they uh, accredited or how much capital they have? I guess if you're flush with capital and you can afford to buy a whole property, you know, in our case, a typical ECE is seven to eight million dollars. So we're putting down 35% cash. So if somebody has that kind of capital, they could go on to CoStar, LoopNet, Crexy, and look for an ECE deal and um, uh, and hopefully be in very knowledgeable because the, uh, like anything else, the leases are different. The guarantee structures right. are different. You just really want to understand the structure. But if you're flush with capital, you really know the industry, you know the tenant very well, you're comfortable, you could invest in and buy your own property. For us, we're a sponsor. So that means we uh, we use an LLC structure and we syndicate our deal. So we let LPs or limited partner um, silent investors be able to invest uh, and diversify. You, know, you can our minimum in most cases is like 50,000. So you can kind right. of dip your toe in the water and get involved with a group like us or find a very um, experienced sponsor with a track record. You would need to be accredited for all our deals. And in that case, it means million dollar net worth, right. not including your primary residence. Primary residence. So million dollar uh, net worth, I think it's uh, 200 or 200 uh, thousand dollars a year in annual if you are single and three hundred thousand if you're married filing jointly there you go so that's right and if if you're not accredited or you don't meet those standards there's some other um there's maybe some crowdfunding tools or other offer offerings that you could seek out you could also if you find a deal you could come to a sponsor or somebody and say here's the deal get some participation in it that way. So there's other ways to get involved with um, early childhood education, real estate investment. That's awesome. Thank you for explaining that. So how do you uh, underwrite this type of deal? What do you do first to get this type of deal? Do you start with a location? Let's say, let's pick Nashville, right? A growing market, hot market, and then you buy a land and figure out who would be the tenant or you already work with the tenant like the learning zone before you even buy a, a land or location, right? And figure out the steps. Yeah, great. So we we start with the tenant and we build a relationship with the tenant and um, there's a criteria. We talked about some of it, but they need to be Amazon resistant, pandemic right. resistant, <laughs> strong balance sheet, long historical operating track record, the industry that we want to be in, type of real estate we want to own. So if that's all a fit, uh, we um, create the relationship with the tenant in an agreement where our company will be the exclusive or a, a primary developer for them in a certain area. So once we have the relationship with the tenant, um, we will look at their key demand drivers. So if they already have a, a tailwind of locations, 
we'll look at their most successful locations. And we have some demographic mapping tools we use. So we can then put those key demand drivers into a mapping tool and then go into any market, heat map the market, find out the areas where all those key demand drivers come together. And then we find the sites and the locations, we get boots on the ground. Uh, in the case of a preschool, for example, typically acre and a half, we want great visibility, great access. There's a certain number of children under the age of six in a 10 minute radius typically over $100,000 of income. And we look for two to three times the national average growth. And then we want to make sure the demand is there where there's a long waiting list uh, in the existing preschools. But to your question, it starts for us with the tenant. And then we find the market with the tenant, but then we go and find the sites. After we find the sites, uh, we go through entitlement, zoning, we um, uh, have, if a tenant doesn't already have a prototype, we help them develop a prototype because it, there's no, uh, if, if you wonder why McDonald's look the same or yes. Dollar General's, right? It's because if you're cookie cuttering the same building over and over and over and over, you get very good at understanding what it costs right. to build the buildings, how it's gonna fit on a piece of property, and then you can long lead, you can order the HVAC exactly. or flooring, any of those things that in supply chain issues, you can warehouse them and not be delayed on the construction. So there's so many benefits of having yeah. these prototypical designs. We love it. So we get uh, the property entitled, the uh, building laid out, building bid. We get a guaranteed max price or a GMP contract with our contractor, which means they're gonna to guarantee to deliver the building for a fixed price so we don't have that risk. And then on our end, uh, it's simply managing construction schedule and budget. We have to have a solid end date so that our tenant knows when we're turning it over to them so they can put in their fixtures, furnishings, equipment. They're typically going through a hiring and marketing process up to the opening day. And um, that's why our tenants love us. We nail, we're very process driven. We're like a assembly line process. We always do a ribbon cutting. We turn it over to our tenant. Uh, we put live job site video cameras on the project. So our investors and our tenants can see every day what's going on. So it's fun. We, we love doing it. I used to do some custom, way back when, custom home building and whatnot. For me, it was a nightmare. Like, you know, people yeah. are emotional and it's right. I like doing this and uh, we're all about the process. Uh, th th that's that's great. So let me ask you this question then. What are the markets you are looking at right now or or you're already investing in? Like which markets are really high growth? Yeah. Okay. Well, Nashville. So my home right. base we are all around Nashville. So when people say Nashville, it's that and it's all the suburbs because there's so many folks moving in to Nashville and of the course. suburbs that it's continuing Exp to grow. Expanding, yeah. Expanding all the way around. So we're currently 
And we're developing in Spring Hill, which is on the south side. We're doing a medical office building. We're doing two preschools on the south side of Nashville. We have sites, gosh, in Cookville. We just finished one in Smyrna. So we're developing all around Nashville right now. And we also, Huntsville, Alabama. Oh, yes. It's, I like it's the market. <laughs> Rocket City, USA. It's high tech. Uh, FBI has a huge presence, tons of great paying jobs there. Huntsville is also a market that's booming. We love it. We, uh, we own, uh, I think, six sites all around ha uh, Huntsville right now that we have leases signed for that are in various stages. Um, we are in uh, the north side of Houston. It's, there's the Woodlands. And then Wood Forest, it's this gorgeous master planned uh, development. We're doing a medical campus there. We have eight acres and um, it's all medical. So we like that market a lot. And uh, what else? Well, th those are the primary growth areas that we're in right now, uh, but it's it's good. There's a lot of work to be had, but we, we primarily, so it seems like we're Texas, east all the way over to the east coast and then south so the most most of our work is the south southeast but i also get up to my old stomping ground wisconsin we'll, we follow tenants we're finishing up a tractor supply right now in wisconsin so that's it's that's awesome crazy. so most of the you know uh guests who come on the podcast either they are single family or multi-family operators or or some are like me mobile home park we haven't yeah. had anyone who talk about medical buildings and early childhood education. So let me ask you this. What is mm -hmm. the one of the most overlooked real estate sectors in today's market? I, I believe it's ECE, early childhood education. And the, re the reason I say that uh, is very fragmented. You can, you can Google the top operators, and you'll see there's only a handful with really a lot, you know, 300 locations, 400 locations. Primarily in the industry, it's still, I'll call them mom and pop operators that have one, two, or three locations. It's very fragmented. You see a lot of private equity starting to crowd into the space and start doing some roll-ups, buying some smaller operators, rolling them up. And getting on um, de novo or greenfield development programs like we're working with, where they're building new locations in high growth markets. We like that because if we're able to get in and work with an operator now, they get bought out by large private equity. Immediately, the credit behind our deals increases. And with that, the real estate value increases. Um, we kind of saw that. I think like 13 years ago when we started doing Dollar General, they weren't really on the radar. And um, uh, REITs or big institutions were not really buying the DGs. They were only about a million and a half at a time. And, you know, a REIT or institution usually wants to invest at least 20, 30, 40 or 50 million dollars at a shot. And um, we saw, you know, our idea was, well, we're going to do these dollar generals one at a time, but ultimately we're going to try creating a, a portfolio of them. And, and that's what we ended up doing. But to your question, I, I think early childhood education is 
is uh, under the radar. And I believe if we chat in, you know, two or three years, it'll be much more prevalent. Right. Of course, that's what happens. <laughs> mm -hmm. So let's talk about your deals because you have been doing this for over 30 years now. Mm -hmm. What has been your best deal so far? And can you share numbers? Yeah. We've had a lot of best. <laughs> well, I, there, of there's, course. It, because it depends on the deal type. I say that because some, if you do a a value add deal or a turnaround deal, it's higher risk, higher ROI. But so some recent ones, I will say we just sold an outlot that was fabulous, but maybe a more interesting deal. I mentioned Dollar General. That was a that was a great one. We started with, and the reason it's great is because very early on, we started with a thesis or an idea or the fundamentals of how these dollar generals or single tenant net lease with that particular tenant would perform. And over the years, um, we have done about 80 of them, but we, as we were building up our portfolio, we thought, what if we could do something different. And if you're familiar with Dollar General, you know, you'll see them very rural. You'll be right. on a rural road and there's yep. Dollar General, but but it performs well. There's probably, if you're in a satellite, 2,500 people in a five mile radius and they do great. We thought we're going to do something different. We are only going to do Dollar Generals that are in outstanding locations. If they ever went dark, you could put an auto zone in or some other credit tenant, right. very rare. So we only did those. We ended up building up an incredible portfolio. And we thought now this is going to be a great target acquisition for REIT. So we took it to market in 2022 and we ended up selling it to the largest publicly traded REIT in the country. Um, numbers wise, I'm under an NDA. I can share what's Public, it was a $54.6 million sale, Wow! 35 store portfolio. It was great for our investors. It was great for the buyer um, and for our company. So that I would say was just a very rewarding best deal because it was over a long-term period and it behaved like we planned it to. It was very good. Oh, you're on mute. Yeah, sorry. There you go. What has been your worst deal and what did you learn from it? Oh, gosh. So we, the one deal we lost money on was, it was a health, it was an operating uh, company. It, it had real estate in it, but it was primarily a healthcare operating deal where this operator who was running the healthcare facility wanted to change the use and it looked like a lot of upside if they could change the use and really increase the NOI which would we would have uh, an ownership stake not only in the prop code the real estate but the actual op code, the operating company it didn't work and uh, we lost a lot of money it was painful this was probably 10 years ago or so and uh yeah, it was. It, it did not work out, and uh, that I think probably taught us. Well, I know it taught us. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Lane, yes. <laughs> Alpesh, we're real estate developers, right? Let's right. be a real estate developer. 
not a hospital operator. And the other thing, if you're going to partner or you're going to joint venture with someone, be very, very, very fussy. Do your due diligence, make sure they have a track record and just be very fussy. So as a result, we stay in our lane. We're real estate folks here. That's awesome. So, John, the fun part is over. Are you ready for fire round? <laughs> fire round. It is. Lay it on me. Yeah, let's go. Would you be changing business or investment strategy because of the current environment where the inflation has been going up now for past couple of months, it's going down, but then recession is looming around the corner? We did actually. We are. Uh, we were going. We had a uh, large piece of property under contract last year, and we were going to do part of it a uh, a good sized multifamily development. And as interest rates started creeping up, it was getting skinnier and skinnier, and we felt like this is not going to pencil. And and we also felt like interest rates were going to continue to come up. So. We pulled the plug on the deal and it was painful because we had design work into it, entitlement work, a fair amount of dollars, but we thought, let's pull the plug. And in hindsight, uh, we're glad we did. But I guess the change in our strategy, we're not doing any multifamily. Uh, we're sticking to our single tenant net lease and MOB work. I think that makes sense. Multifamily is going to struggle in near future. <laughs> so mm -hmm. Let's yeah. see. Favorite nonfiction book, like it could be a self-help or business book, investment book? Yeah. Well, I, I'm a huge Tony Robbins fan. I like um, all of his stuff. But Awaken the Giant Within. Awaken that the was, Giant is the best. Yes, I love that book. <laughs> I think if you're going to get big with real estate or whatever it is, you first, you really need to personally grow and develop. And he is the guru of it, the expert, in my opinion. That's awesome. Any tool or website you recommend or you cannot live without? We really like Trello. Uh, we use it. It's one of our main tools for um, project management, collaboration. We all use it for laying out our personal uh, to-do lists and our week, um, how we manage our week. So we use Trello for a number of things here at the company. I really, I like it. That's awesome. Any advice for beginner investors? Yeah, I think, well, I guess one piece of advice I would give Alpish is try to pick a sector and really immerse yourself in it and get great at it. By that, I mean, you know, there's single tenant flip, single tenant rental, multifamily, industrial, medical office, single tenant net lease retail, there's self-storage, there's trailer parks, right? right? There's all these different sectors. And I think if you can find a sector or two that resonates with you, just immerse yourself in it and try to become an expert in it or stay in it. Because once you can become an expert in an area, then you really can understand a performa, you know if the numbers make sense or not. And this is as an LP, as an investor, right. or, a, or a developer, whatever it is. So you can really understand what you're looking at instead of maybe knowing a little bit about a lot. If you're going to invest your money, try focusing on a few areas. Would be a piece of advice I would give. It's a great advice. How do you give back? 
Yeah, well, my my wife and I really we have been with uh, Children's Hunger Fund for years. We we like that um, particular organization. So much of the money you give goes right to the children. But then also our church, we do um, we're able to participate in giving to um, some really good mission trips. So I would say those are a couple of our favorites. That's awesome. How can my listeners reach out to you? Yeah. Okay. If so, if someone's interested in investing or looking at that or learning more about that, go to cmkproperties.com and you can look at projects we're doing. You can, we have an investor portal on there and um, reaching out to me. We also have CMK Properties on LinkedIn and I'm on LinkedIn. So I'd say our website or LinkedIn. That's awesome. Thank you so much, John, for your time today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Have an awesome rest of the day. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Matters podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes so others can enjoy the show too. Have a great week and happy investing.